It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Welcome, friends, to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. On today's program, we are going to focus on two timely topics. First, tips for traveling safely this wintertime. We no doubt remember the significant winds that buffeted our region last weekend, knocking out power and making driving conditions treacherous. And in the mountains, sizable amounts of snowfall over the weekend made navigating mountain passes extremely difficult. And as the holidays draw near, we all look forward to eating. We'll share with you later in our program some helpful ideas on eating safely and eating healthily. Later in our program, if you're of Medicare age, we'll tell you about an important free service available from Cadillac to help you ensure you're in the right Medicare insurance plan for you. But first, we lost our daylight at this time of the day, which can make driving a bit more of a challenge, and certainly as the weather gets colder. Here were some helpful tips for us tonight on safe winter travel. We're happy to welcome Sierra Knutson, an emergency support specialist with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Sierra, no snow in our area yet. I emphasize yet. It's definitely just a matter of time. But what's the first thing you like people to know as we prepare for the winter season? The important thing that I always like to remind folks of is that winter always hits sooner than we're prepared, which is right now we're really encouraging people to get their ice melt ready, get their snow shovels, and really start looking at their kit that they're going to have in their car for the winter. And are these things that uh, not only do you keep in the car, but I'm guessing keep them handy around your home, evidenced by when the power went out with these high winds in parts of the Tri-Cities last weekend? Yes, exactly. That's really important is that having those extra kits at home, having extra water is important both in the home and the car as well. Having extra sleeping bags and wool blankets just in case the heat does go out once again for your home and car. Just having a little bit of stuff ahead of time really helps you be prepared in the event that that bad weather strikes. And certainly we're in the communications age and people have at their fingertips with their phones and other resources the ability to check and get messages as to weather conditions, not only that are forecast, but those as they they unfold. And I know when when the wintertime hits, especially when there's snow advisories and things of that nature, I know there are different uh, terms terms used to describe the the level of severity or the worry that uh, of the potential of certain types of weather conditions. Can you quickly go through these phases as we see them? Absolutely. So winter storm advisory considered phase one means beware. We're expecting winter weather. Winter storm watch is phase two means watch out. Conditions of the storm are in place. And winter storm warning phase three is take action. You might receive a directive from emergency management. You might see stuff on the local media saying to shelter in place, to stay off the roads. And it's be mindful, be ahead of time that you don't wait until, you know, level three, that you're being proactive before that. Some of these, I know the the notifications come you know, depending upon your favorite news source on your phone primarily. But are there ways to get notifications uh, when one of these changes or one of these warnings or, or phases come into effect? Absolutely. One of my favorite ones that we direct everybody in the community to is called the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. They send out weekly forecasts, and we actually rely heavily on them in-house for personal staff and for business as well. You can't go wrong with them. So I assume you could probably just... Uh, Go into your browser and, and put NOAA, I'm guessing, would be the easiest way to find that. And, and that's where you can, lo- you can sign in for those kinds of things for, for monitoring. 
Absolutely. You can also sign up for their distribution list, and it will fire off an email to you each week that they update it. How was last weekend? Uh, it's interesting. You know, I know Friday night the, the winds came in fiercely, and there was some power outages around the community. But did, did was it kind of a in a way for not the people in the middle of it, but for some people maybe a test run of being prepared for the wintertime? It certainly is. It, you know, it never hurts, and it's also kind of a time to troubleshoot and go, oh, I thought I had that piece on my te- deck tied down, or I thought those batteries worked and they didn't. Um, you know, it's always a good feedback to go, oh, I need to be mindful of these things. So, you know, we're thankful that nobody got hurt, but it's a good reminder to kind of get people in the mode for the winter. And what may be some some of the, the key things that people forget to do I, when it comes to driving in the wintertime? There, is it just is preparedness probably or lack thereof? Is that the biggest mistake people make as they maybe go on a travel across the mountains or down into the gorge, places like that? I think it's that it's consistently you do it all the time, and so we just kind of get used to it, and we don't think about the changing seasons. I know when the rain hit really bad last week, there were a lot of close calls because people were just driving too fast. Another one is giving yourself extra time in the morning when it's going to be icy. It doesn't have to be these very extensive processes or things that you buy. It's just kind of being aware of your surroundings. You know, it's checking your tires, getting replaced this month, and checking your battery to make sure you know you don't break down at 10 o'clock at night. It's just those simple steps that will make your winter so much better. Well, and certainly at this time of the evening, since the clocks have fallen back uh, into standard time, certainly people are driving home in the dark rather than during the lighter times of the day. Absolutely. And for those times, too, with it being extra dark, you know, it's really important to carry road flares, hazard lights, something visible so in the event that you do have something where you have to stop, that people who are driving can also very visibly see you as well. You touched on it a little bit, and that's the preparedness around your home evidenced with this with the power outage conversation but but what are some of the things people should keep in mind as they prepare for snow or high winds or heavy rains and and the like definitely this time of year you know uh Salt and shovels, those are going to start going out the door like hotcakes. They'll be almost impossible to find probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, definitely having backup heating systems. Um, if you are using ground-level uh, heaters, make sure that you're checking cords and making sure that they're safe, keeping them away from flammable on the wall. It's also really important this time of year, too, to really make sure that your carbon monoxide and uh, smoke alarm is being checked. We see a lot of home fires this time of season because of the Christmas season. Um, another thing, too, is just making sure you've got water, extra food on hand. Those little things that will help you ride out a rough storm. And I think I, I want to say I recall learning about, wasn't there a case of, some cases of carbon monoxide poisoning in our region here in the last week or so? Yes. Unfortunately, when people are stuck in a very difficult position and they're trying to keep them and themselves um, warm, what people often do is that they'll open their heaters um, within their like stove and they'll open the door. They will bring their generators inside. They might even bring their camping stove inside. And unfortunately, that leads to a substantial buildup of com- carbon monoxide, which then can be deadly and it can sneak up on people so quickly. So it's really important to make sure that you keep those outside away from being indoors and away from any kind of windows. And I know one of the things that we all learned during the pandemic was just the simple neighborly thing to do is check on neighbors, particularly if you may have folks that are elderly and, and living alone. Is that something that we should do no matter, uh, certainly during this time of the year, the winter time of the year, but certainly throughout the year? 
absolutely. That's one of the biggest things I think we can do to support our communities. If you're through a church group or a community civic group or a school group, you know, just kind of identifying those folks who might not have family or friends in the area. You know, I know with elderly people in our neighborhood, when we have power go out, we just go and knock on their door to make sure they're okay. You know, that prevents, you know, very preventable deaths with people that we care about. And we all have pets, too, and I know those should also be accounted for and uh, and taken care of. Absolutely. This time of year, we keep extra food in-house for us, and for our dogs in particular, we get out there, you know, big fluffy jackets so that they're going to be warm in the event of an emergency and just making sure that they've got plenty of water as well, too. And before we let you go, I want to have you maybe run through a quick checklist for people with our cars. Certainly, um, you know, the you think you may have those items in your car, but when, when something happens and all of a sudden it does, a pass gets closed or something like that happens or you get disabled in your vehicle and you realize that maybe you don't have things, give us a quick run-through of, of what people should have in their cars. The biggest thing is going to be maintaining your body heat and be maintaining your hydration. So a sleeping bag or wool blanket is critical, making sure that you've got road flares so that somebody doesn't actually hit you on the road. Um, having a headlamp or flashlight is also critical. And then a really good set of mittens, gloves, winter boots, hat, and thick jacket. The goal is that you want to be able to survive a night on the mountain if you absolutely have to. And if you would, uh, maybe provide some, you mentioned the NOAA website for those, getting those alerts. Are there others that you would recommend folks maybe have readily available in their phones to check things? There's the WASDOT, which gives you road conditions, particularly with pass conditions. I 100% recommend that you check those every time you travel when you're going over any kind of mountain passes, even if they're low ones, and just being mindful of other road reports in the area. You might even Googling your map ahead of time because sometimes they will identify accidents that might be delayed two to six hours. And I know I traveled across the mountains periodically, and, and the, you, you mentioned the state's Department of Transportation site, especially as you're looking to maybe navigate Snoqualmie Pass. They have cameras. They have very up-to-date weather forecasts, so that's a good one, right? Yep, absolutely. That's one of my favorite ones to follow. Sierra Knudsen with the Benton Franklin Health District. Great advice, especially I think the point that we're a little ahead of things. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. Get out, drop by the hardware store, pick up that snow shovel and the necessary winter items for you so that you can uh, have them when the time is necessary. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And a reminder that if you missed any part of our program, Cadillac on Call is available via podcast. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, Thanksgiving is not far away and the Christmas season right behind that. So we may be more paying more att- attention. Uh, we should be say. We may be paying more at the store, is what I meant to say, for our holiday feast this year. And to ensure our food is safe, let's go to an expert to find out what we all need to know as we get ready to enjoy these holiday feasts. Lars Richens is the Food Safety Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Lars, when it comes to holiday food safety, it's probably the same things we should adhere to throughout the year. But, But what do we need to really pay attention to as we get ready to plan all these holiday feasts? Yeah, so the the main thing I think people need to focus on is just uh, incorporating food safety 
from their grocery store to the plate. And so um, in, in identifying risks such as cross-contamination, keeping those raw meats separated from the ready-to-eat foods uh, or those salad greens, those foods that aren't going to get cooked, um, and, you know, paying attention to washing hands and all those other things that are really important for food safety as well. And certainly with coming out of the pandemic and COVID, we're all certainly clued into viruses and the like and flu and and RSV and things of that nature. But when it comes to food, uh, you know, I was reading some of the statistics about uh people who get sick food, and it, it happens probably more than we really like to realize. But talk a little bit about how common it is and maybe some of the common things that people don't do that they should. Sure. Uh, so some of the statistics, CDC tracks foodborne illness data. Um, they estimate that about 48 million people will experience foodborne illness each year. Um, some of the most common causes um, are going to be norovirus, salmonella, C. perfringens, and campylobacter. And I, I, I think most people have heard probably about norovirus, uh, maybe, and salmonella, and C. perfringens and campylobacter are probably a little less known. Um, and so controlling, knowing those um, are important, but I think more important is knowing what to do to prevent from getting those. So norovirus is a virus um, and it causes vomiting and diarrhea. It's the most common cause of foodborne illness um, outbreaks in the United States. It's usually passed from person to person. So if someone is sick, um, they can easily get others around them sick. Um, food is a common vehicle or a shortcut to the next person's stomach to make their stomach sick as well. Um, and really quickly, salmonella, C. perfringens and Campylobacter, um, all three are bacteria um, that are pretty common on poultry, um, such as turkey. And so um, how to control those is preventing uh, cross-contamination from that raw animal food to those uh, what we call ready-to-eat foods, and also ensuring that, that those foods go through a proper cook temperature. That was my next question. Is, is the big key relative, especially to the meats is making sure they're cooked long enough? Yeah, that is a really important um, thing to consider. And what traditionally a lot of people have uh, cooked their turkeys based on a recipe or a time temperature, meaning they put it in the oven and they follow a chart based on the weight of the turkey. Um, that's helpful, but each uh, piece of cooking equipment is going to cook slightly different. We highly, highly recommend and encourage everyone to go out and get a nice digital thermometer. Um, I would say probably 15, 20 years ago, they were pretty expensive and hard to obtain. Um, that's just not the case these days. I think you can get a good one for between 10 and $20. It's going to give you a quick, uh, accurate read of that food, and you can ensure that it is properly cooked. Now, we're all aware economically of some of the inflationary uh, maladies that we're all facing, and it's not been uh, the turkey itself is something that also is seeing inflationary. So is the cost uh, pretty substantial this year? Yeah, I was kind of um, surprised to read about this myself. Um, it sounds like, 
yeah, turkeys are not going to be exempt from the inflation. <laughs> um, USDA Department uh, of Agriculture um, put out a report that they estimated that there's going to be a shortage of turkeys this year, which is going to impact the price. Um, they said it's due to an avian flu outbreak um, that decreased the population by 14%. And so um, what that means for food safety is it's probably going to be harder to obtain a fresh bird. Um, fresh birds, you don't have to worry about thawing. You can usually purchase either the day before or the same day as Thanksgiving um, sometimes and actually get it, purchase it, and cook it. Um, but if you are purchasing a bird frozen instead, you have to plan in thawing time. We do recommend that you thaw the turkey in the refrigerator on the bottom shelf. Uh, you want to make sure that there's no raw juices that are going to, again, drip onto other foods that aren't going to be cooked. Another big tip for thawing um, or also cooking and prepping that turkey is to not thaw or wash the turkey in the sink. Um, there have been outbreaks or illnesses associated with that turkey handling, um, where it's potentially uh, you get salmonella or other germs on that sink or around the sink, where later you prep other foods. And so, again, it's best to just open that turkey out of the original bag um, in the pan that you're going to cook it and just cook the turkey along with the juices, um, and you don't have to worry about that cross-contamination risk. And you raise a really good point is the fact that if there's low demand or low supply of turkeys, people will potentially need to get the frozen turkeys, and you don't just pop them in and, and thaw them out in a matter of hours. Be pre is it be prepared? Plan ahead? Yeah, be prepared. <laughs> um, there's some really good resources on the Internet, USDA has a lot of charts. Uh, I believe it's about 24 hours should be planned for every four to five pounds. And so, again, when you purchase a bird from the grocery store, you, you can find the weight. It's actually required that the, the weight be on the label. And so look for that. You can find out how much it weighs and calculate how, how long you need accordingly. And, and what about... Other parts of, you know, everybody loves to have turkey, but, you know, do, with making stuffing, things of that nature, are there other concerns that, that we need to be concerned with? Yeah, historically there have been outbreaks, illnesses associated with stuffing that is cooked inside the bird. Um, stuffing, I think of it, uh, if you think of stuffing as like a bread, um, breads, um, that type of food, the way I think of it is almost like an insulation you might f find in your wall. Um, as far as thermodynamics, it's going to prevent the heat from entering and, and getting all the way through that. Um, essentially, your turkey is going to finish cooking before the stuffing fully cooks due to those thermodynamics of stuffing. So the recommendation is not to stuff the bird, or if you do, um, if that's the preferred method, um, to remove it after cooking the bird, uh, remove the stuffing, and continue to cook it longer to ensure that it, it fully cooks um, all the way through uh, 165 or above. Um, you can also, again, check the temperature with that di digital thermometer. One final question I'd like to have you addressed is vulnerable populations, whether folks are perhaps elderly or younger or maybe their health conditions. Are there things that, that we, as we prepare food, should be uh, preparing for for people in these populations who might have, be a little more vulnerable? I think it's, yeah, I think it's pretty important that um, you're aware of 
who else is going to be around you. Um, those that are in that highly susceptible category usually have a compromised immune system, and so they'll they'll be susceptible to other bacteria um, that can get you sick that might not get an otherwise healthy person with a, a good immune system sick. And so um, make sure that if raw foods are being served, um, it, like a raw eggnog might be an example, make sure it's labeled um, that, that people are aware. And so if someone is in that category, they can they can make that decision and, and judge that risk accordingly. Um, but uh, as a rule of thumb, they should be avoiding those types of high-risk foods, um, seafood and raw uh, raw foods. Well, wonderful advice, certainly timely advice as we get ready to enjoy the holiday seasons. Lars Richens with the Benton Franklin Health District, the Food Safety Program Manager. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us. More research and available to, on the Benton Franklin Health District's website at bfhd.wa.gov. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And for more than 30 years, there has been a community service program focused on health care related to the over 50 population, the senior population, called Healthy Ages. And it's a program provided at Cadillac Regional Medical Center that has been such a valuable community service over the years. And this time of the year, it's when it's at its most busy for the people uh, working with the Healthy Ages program. And that happens to be Kathy Manderbach, who is the program manager of the Healthy Ages program. And Kathy's with us on the program tonight to talk a little bit more about Healthy Ages specifically and why it is so busy at this time of the year. Welcome, Kathy. And maybe begin there. What What is it about this time of the year that keeps it so busy for you? Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. And you bet. So this is the time of year where people can compare their Medicare uh, plans, uh, their prescription plans, and if they are enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans, they may want to be seeking out what's going to be new in the new year in 2023. So with the drug plans, the companies renegotiate pricing with the pharmaceuticals, and so the formulary can be different. Just because you had a plan that covered you well the year before does not mean that same plan is going to be your best option in the new year. So my coworker, Diana Henning, and I are able to run comparisons to help our community members uh, potentially save a good amount of money on their plans for 2023. And this year, it's been keeping us really busy because in our counties, there are several new Advantage plans. And with the advertisements, we have a lot of calls with people interested in knowing the differences between their original Medicare with the Medigap versus the Advantage plans. So we still have openings for appointments and would be happy to um, get people scheduled. So if you're interested in that, you can reach out to me and Diana at Healthy Ages at 509-942-2700. And this open enrollment lasts until December 6th. So no matter if we do a comparison today or wait until that, or it's the 7th, the last day, 
the new plans do not become effective until January 1st, 2023. So just like most people who are in the working world that have insurance, they're in their annual picking their choice and making their health insurance choices just so it's the same for the Medicare population as well. It's true, yes, and a lot of people don't know that that can change from year to year, and so I'm grateful to be able to help promote that, that it's real important to do those comparisons because it can potentially save people a lot of money, and that makes my day at work a lot happier when I know <laughs> I'm helping people save money. And with these plans, is, is the work that you do, I mean, I imagine the one question that you get after having these sessions, of they would probably say, Kathy, so which one should I do? That's not necessarily what you're trying to accomplish. It's it's their decision. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Absolutely. We are looking out for the best interest for the, our clients. Um, it's really dependent on their health circumstances and their specific list of prescriptions. And I'm not a licensed agent. So I keep current on Medicare through webinars and conferences through the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services. And our goal is truly to help people navigate all of their options and be able to make choices that will help them have coverage best for their their um, needs. This isn't necessarily classified as a as a consultation between me and you, but without having a full hour to talk about it, basically what what are the what are the important explain really quickly what what people are getting when they're having to choose a Medicare plan certainly, so when people originally sign up for Medicare, they have the option um, and if they're not working, they would enroll into Medicare Part A, which is hospitalization, and then their next piece would be Medicare Part B, which is medical appointments such as outpatient surgeries, outpatient imaging, regular doctor appointments, scene specialists. And then there is supplemental coverage that um, is an option. It's not required um, for people to enroll into that is designed to pick up leftover balances after original Medicare A and B have paid its portion. And so there are different levels of coverage with that Medigap, and people can choose according to what benefits are important to them to have covered. And then new to um, Benton Franklin County starting in 2020 were our Advantage plans again. And with those, um, there can be some additional perks such as dental coverage, maybe some coverage for vision and some help paying for hearing aids or uh, gym memberships. So it's just, a, you know, whatever is important for people to have. Um, but with the Advantage plans, there is a network of providers. And so that's what Diana and I can help people um, find out is if their providers are in the network for the plans that are coming up as a good option for them. And then the other important letter in the alphabet relative to Medicare is the Part D. And is that the prescription drugs? That is correct, and this is the time of year where um, if you have a standalone prescription drug plan or an Advantage plan that includes prescription drugs where we run the comparison, and it's on a tool um, on the Medicare.gov website. And so we plug in the prescriptions, the quantity and dosage, and the tool just automatically brings to the top the the plans that will cover uh, the client's uh, prescriptions at the lowest cost. And a part of that formula is also which pharmacies they choose to have their prescriptions dispensed through. So it 
the price can vary greatly from pharmacy to pharmacy, not only from plan to plan, but as well through the pharmacies. So as you're saying, just like the plans change for the subscriber, the people, uh, the work that you have to do on the front end to make sure you're trying to understand it so you can explain it to them? Yeah, yep. So we we can um, then do that either through a phone call and we also can consult with people in the office and we can generate a report that they can we can send through email or that they can take and then um, be able to see the differences um, with their choices. And if you would, I know, again, these are free. And if you would like to call the office and schedule an appointment, it's 509-942-2700. But, Kathy, if you would, if I schedule an appointment, uh, what would that what would it entail when, when I show up? Sure. So what it would entail is you having your prescription list or your prescriptions with you so that I can enter them correctly um, into the plan finder and then knowing who you had for your coverage for the current year so we can see if it's worth making a change or not. And if you're coming to the office, we can turn the computer to the client so that they can push the enroll button and enter their Medicare card number um, on their own. And so they would want to bring their Medicare card with them to that appointment. And so these are consultations, and I know, obviously, during COVID, they had to be remote, but one of the the neat features, I guess, even pre-COVID is that um, you have families that are not necessarily just physically living in the Tri-Cities that use this service, right? Yeah, we really kind of picked up clientele outside of the Tri-Cities during COVID. So I recently have helped people in Prosser and in Yakima and often Walla Walla residents. So finally, the the point relative to Medicare is uh, that what are the key de- dates? And again, review, if you would, uh, how they can get a hold of you to schedule one of these appointments. Certainly, yeah. So the open enrollment runs from October 15th through December 7th. And the way that people can schedule appointments is by contacting us. We're not in the office every day, so it is important to schedule an appointment. And you can do that by calling 509 509- We're visiting with Kathy Manderblock, the program manager of the Healthy Ages program provided by Cadillac, free of charge, uh, not only for these Medicare counseling sessions, but a whole array of services throughout the year. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And a reminder, if you missed any part of our program, Cadillac on Call is available via podcast. Just search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We are visiting with Kathy Manderbach, the program manager with the Cadillac Healthy Ages program. And we spent the past segment talking about the Medicare counseling that is available. And we're right in the sign-up season for Medicare-eligible uh, folks in our community, and if you'd like to schedule a consulting appointment with Kathy or her uh, co-worker partner, uh, Diana, 
You can call 509-942-2700, and those meetings are free of charge. And, Kathy, I wanted to spend a little more time broadening the, the talk about healthy ages because I know it's way more than just that, though that's very important service that is provided. Uh, but there's another program, part of the Healthy Ages program, that I'd love to cover because I know it's being able to come back out of COVID in a little more uh, a little more focused area, and that is the Mall Walkers program that has been in existence for a number of years. You're, we're able to finally allow folks to get back into the mall and do their walking. Talk us a little bit about that. Sure. We are so excited. We started back up on October 3rd. We reengaged our wonderful volunteers to be stationed at the food court um, in the mall. Monday through Thursday from the hours of 11 a.m. to 12.30, which is the opening hours of the mall, Monday through Thursday. And then on Fridays, it's from 10 until 11.30. And then these hours will move back an hour um, after Black Friday. So starting on November 28th, our volunteers will be at the mall from 10 until 11.30, Monday through Thursday, and from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on Fridays. And so what this does for people, they can um, report their miles to those volunteers, and registered mall walkers are incentivized for their mileage. So they can earn incentives such as T-shirts, little uh, waist packs, fanny packs that they can hold their cell phone and keys in, and socks. Um, and then there's little um, patches that our walkers can earn. And if people are not currently a mall walker, they can sign up to be one. And registration forms are available in the food court with those volunteers. Or, again, they can call Cadillac Healthy Ages, and I can either mail or email the registration form to people. So we are excited to have that going again. I should say, and it's a wonderful program because I know we touched on at the start of the interview with you about the longevity of the at the Catholic Healthy Ages program, many, many decades. So there's some people that have logged thousands of miles, right? There are people that have logged thousands of miles. And we do, We prior to COVID, we did celebrations to honor those people that earn the big incentives. And we've had even a walker um, that lost 100 pounds, and they credit it to the mall walking program, Jim. It's pretty amazing. And certainly that, that's the main impetus for it is, to, is, a, is, a, is a means of fitness. And, and obviously, especially at this time of the year, as, as we start to lose daylight, that uh, it's, it's where they can go in and, and do it in a warm and safe environment. Yeah, and for a lot of people, they need that smooth surface to walk on. So it helps keep our walkers safe. And traditionally, people had to accumulate those miles while at the mall or on the mall property. But uh, we opened that up and still are honoring people that walk um, in their neighborhoods or on treadmills. We just truly want to encourage people to keep moving. (laughs) And and if you would, to me, I know the many times that I've had the opportunity to go out and and watch the the mall walkers and the people. Certainly, the fitness is is priority one, but just the social contact, the interaction, the friendships that are made is another. That just it always amazed me to see the the conversations happening out there. Yes, I always 
joke that the the ladies and the men sitting in the at the tables at the food court are serving solving the world's problems. But the really cool thing <laughs> they're that holding court in the food court. Yeah. <laughs> and then what was fun to to hear was, you know, when COVID hit, they couldn't be in the mall because it was closed. But I was thinking, oh, we need to develop a phone tree. And I called one of our volunteers, and they had started it without me even suggesting it. So we had people calling. um, They had like a phone tree calling to check in on members, which was just amazing. So they continued to stay in touch. And some of them walked in other locations together. And that's another key point that you said is, and we touched on, is the friendships that are made. And, you know, many people, if they're an older population, they may have lost a spouse. And so it's an opportunity for them to to have fellowship and maybe re-engage with with friends and people that that they may not have been able to do as much uh, before when they they were, you know, their spouse. They relied on them for so. So it's another outlet for them. It is, yes. And then just checking in to make sure everybody's safe and doing okay. Hey, one last component before we let you go. Talk a little bit about uh, there's another component of Healthy Ages, and those are monthly programs that are also free and available, and hopefully someday soon back in in person with those. But you've been able to continue those. and Give us a brief comment about that and when those are held. Sure. What what Jim's talking about are the monthly wellness programs, and we did continue those, um, but we shifted to offering those virtually. Um, and the next one will be held virtual on January 19th. That's a Thursday at 1 o'clock, and our presenter will be um, from Aging and Long-Term Care talking about their services that they provide to our community. In March, we are transitioning to back to live programs. Um, at the CUP Church in Richland. So for more information on those programs, um, you can reach back out to Cadillac Healthy Ages. And a great way to learn about the programs is to sign up to be a Healthy Ages member, which is a free membership and that gets you postcards to remind you about those monthly programs. It will get you the newsletter that is published from staff at the Cadillac Neurological Resource Center. um, And it will get you an invite to the annual holiday party. Kathy Manderbach, Program Manager of Catholic Healthy Ages, that phone number, 509-942-2700. Thanks to all of our guests tonight, and thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week.